politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman standing at the ready to fight for our life, liberty, and property and everything that matters. But most importantly, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God. Here for a brand new week, July 17th, it is Monday, and I did not want to do today's show. There, there is so much to cover. We've covered over the last couple of weeks, everything from budget to legislation and inflation, economy, obviously medical freedom, obviously immigration, and the border, the tranny stuff, everything that matters. And we're going to continue doing that. And frankly, you know, Friday's show really was was terrific. If you haven't heard it, we discussed uh, with Dr. Paul Merrick alternative cancer treatments, the truth about cancer. Increasingly, I might get into things like that because politics has become so insufferable. But today we will do an, a political show, raw politics, more than policy, because there's a lot of falsehood going going around. A couple months ago, clearly a dark switch has been flipped. And people who call themselves based, conservative media, right-leaning media, America First media, whatever name you want to use, it's all repackaged as the same failure we've been dealing with since Reagan, the Bushes, Dole, McCain, Romney, and then Trump. It's all the same thing. You put a little bit more flourish on it, but it's the same thing. And my concern here has nothing to do with DeSantis. I couldn't care less. He's been around for a couple months as a presidential candidate. It's not him in a vacuum. It's not even the concern about Trump being a distraction and a subversive force and idol-worshipping force that gets our people to support bad things that we wouldn't otherwise support. I mean, that is a big part of it, but it's even worse than that. It's even if tomorrow... I want to make this clear. The Trump versus DeSantis thing is bringing this out to the forefront. But if the two of them would walk off into the sunset tomorrow, okay, they'd walk off and you never hear from either of them again. We would have this same problem. Because if you get the analogy, it's turtles all the way down. Or maybe aptly put, it's carry lakes all the way down. It's grift all the way down. There will be more after that. Because the entire movement that's called the conservative ink, MAGA ink, whatever, whatever new flavor you make it, it is built on a lie. It is built on a lack of regard for results and the very values they claim to espouse. There's nothing different about today's America first MAGA turning, whatever they call that convention they held in Florida over the weekend, Toilet Paper USA. It's, it's the same thing as CPAC, just they'll have today's rhetoric that sounds more you know hardcore relative to the issues we face than five years ago at CPAC, but it's the same idea that when it comes to the issues that matter, in the way they matter, at the time they matter, they don't care, they're either indifferent or downright on the other side, those who are actually working towards the primaries and the legislation that makes a difference, they're scoffed and ignored or sometimes opposed. And it's all about groupiness, who's cool. If you're in with the cool kids, then it's all conservative. It's all great. 
even if it's antithetical to it. Homosexuality, philandering, you name it, it's all good. Andrew Tate is now the big hero. And conversely, you could do everything you espoused and said you wanted, and now you're a dirtbag. That's the problem. And I know it's a little bit dark, but we need a little bit of Jeremiah here. And that's what I'm going to start out with. We're in a Jeremiah chapter 2 moment. And I'm just going to kind of skip around and read from different passages to introduce kind of an overall look at what we saw from Tucker and Iowa Summit, the Iowa Family Leader Summit with, with the Candidates Forum, the Toilet Paper USA thing, and just the general, almost near-unanimous commentariat from people who call themselves right-leaning, and they're nothing more than just Republicans. That, that, that's what it is. Even the ones that say, oh, the Republican Party is terrible. And you know what? It's the ones that say what I say. They say what we say. We're going to die. They're doing this. It's terrible. The government's like a bunch of Nazis. It is. And then, and then and conservative Inc. is a failure. The Republican Party is a failure. And we're sick of them. This is the new right. It's those people who are the worst. Because they claim to be on the side of God and, and, and strive for that. And strive for the truth. And they're the ones that are subverting it the most. You know, I just want to say, before we get into Jeremiah, I'm doing like a intro of the intro of the intro. And I apologize, because there's too much to say. But everyone's like, ha ha ha, Tucker slaughtered Mike Pence. And I'm like, first of all, there was nothing to slaughter. I mean, everyone knew he stood for that. And everyone knew where Mike Pence stood on those issues before they know now. He had zero chance of getting anywhere before, and he has zero chance of getting anywhere now. And, and he's, he's not going to get any support. But there's something interesting. Two points I want to make. While Mike Pence will never go anywhere in a presidential election, the supermajority, no, strike that, near unanimity of opinion among GOP statewide elected officials from Mitch McConnell to Kevin McCarthy to every senator to almost every senator, you know, minus six or seven or so, um, almost every governor, really everyone, I believe, except for DeSantis, has this view on Ukraine. Um, like we talked about on Friday, about 70, 75% of House members, they have uh, Mike Pence's view, and that is not going to change. And there's a reason it's not, because of the subversion of the very people who say they're against that. But there's something stronger. I actually admire Mike Pence in a funny way. The same way, and I said this at the time about Jeb Bush too. They don't pander, they don't lie, they don't bear false witness. They will say openly, I don't give a darn about the forgotten American and I care about Ukraine more. They are very open about that. And, and, you know, it says in, in Zechariah, you should love truth and peace. Truth is placed there before peace because you can't have peace until you have truth. And we could have peace and come to a resolution. If the entire subversion was people like Mike Pence, we could come to a resolution and move on because they're honest. And they're honest and they don't try to hide from it. And to their credit, and, you know, 95% of Republican voters will not buy into that. But the worst are the people 
that claim to be so, uh, you know, appalled by that view on that issue and the 10 other important issues, and we're sick of these weenie Republicans, and we want to fight, and blah, 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 and we're sick of the grooming, but then we're fine with Bruce Jenner. Those people that claim to know God and spit in his face, they are the worst. And that's what Jeremiah 2 is all about. So says the Lord, What wrong did your forefathers find in me that they distanced themselves from me and they went after futility and themselves became futile? Boy, is that a description of this fake manga ink the last uh, number of years. They didn't say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, led us through the desert, land of the plains and pits, and the land of waste and darkness where no man passed. The priest did not say, where is the Lord? And those who hold on to the Torah did not know me. And the rulers rebelled against me. Those who held on to it, they grant, I am the, I am America first. I am for you. I am the one. I am your revenge. We are the new, based, awakened right wing. They rebelled against me more than anyone else. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and followed what does not avail. And God says, therefore, I will contend with you. And there's an interesting part of going on to the rebuke. Verse 11. Does a nation exchange a God, although they are not gods? Yet my nation exchanged their glory for what does not avail. And, and again, what that, what that means in my tradition, these and there's similar verses throughout the Bible in several places, that... God's saying, you're the chosen people. You know me. You see me. You know the truth. Why can't you believe in me with as much intrepidness and purity as the pagans? Because that's what you had. You had the Jews and the pagans. The pagans believe in their God. Do they? And it's, it's not like they swapped their, you know, the different gods swapped this one for another one. No, they held on to their tradition. And that's where we are. I love the Democrats. They don't budge. Everything they do comports with what they want, with their outcomes. And likewise, for Mitch McConnell and Mike Pence and these type of guys, they're not subversive. They're actually pretty open about what they believe in. There's a couple of issues maybe they disagree with the Democrats on. Other than that, it's just servicing their donors and their industries, and everything they do is consistent with that. The worst are those who claim to reject that, but then do it, embrace the worst behaviors, values, and outcomes of the left, and then repackage it as if it's God's word. Those are the worst people. There's a lot of people who make fun out of um, John Fetterman. Oh, he's a vegetable. Look at him. Look at what he's saying. And, you know, you listen to Trump's interviews, and they literally sound like John Fetterman, except there's one difference. There's one difference. As much as we make fun out of Fetterman, as much as he could barely walk and think and move, has he ever one time mistakenly 
scored points for the other team, carried the ball in the wrong end zone? Has he ever raised his hand at the Senate well and voted in a way contrary to his stated beliefs and the people he claims to represent? Never. And it never will happen. Because, you know, whether it's him or he has a staff, they make sure he is oriented. It's not like he is so crazy at some point he'll vote the wrong way, vote vote for a conservative thing or against a liberal thing. No. And despite his crazy rhetoric, 90% of the time it's gibberish. And 10% it kind of hints to some sort of liberal view. But he never accidentally espouses a conservative view. And I find that something amazing. John Fetterman is more lucid and committed to his stated idolatry than our most lucid and smartest, most aggressive, articulate conservative media figure adheres to his stated ideology. It's a Jeremiah 2 moment. Now, first, before we kind of explode, now would be a good time to just Acknowledge our sponsor today, Barrel Buddy. It is the only way to clean your gun without leaving lints, fibers, threads from those cloths. It is a solidly made cartridge, never sheds. You pump it through, push it through the barrel. You could also use it against the other metallic parts of the gun that you clean to get off the carbon. It's strong and durable, less hassle, um, totally... totally compresses to not just clean, but also squeeze out an even application of the solvent. And then you could run another barrel buddy through to give an even application of the lubing. So you want to lube it a little bit, not too much. That's the thing. It's made by listeners to this show. uh, Part of our family, truly, truly amazing. And folks, it's 15 bucks for 50 of these cartridges. So, you know, that should get you a full year's cleaning really for several firearms. Barrelbuddy.com is where to go. Barrelbuddy.com. Never let your guns go uncleaned. And we need a little bit of Barrel Buddy to clean out the gunk of this fake movement. So God continues. Oh, heavens be astonished about this and storm. Become very desolate, says the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the spring of living waters, to dig for themselves cisterns, Broken cisterns that do not hold water. <laughs> and that, that, that's what it is. You just, you just put yourself into things that prima facie are failing. Show me the results. Where are we better off on a single issue? And you're, this is verse 19, your evil will chastise you and with your backslidings will repute and your backslidings will repro- reprove you. And you shall know and see that your forsaking the Lord your God is evil and bitter. And fear of me was not upon you, says the Lord God of hosts. How do you say, I have not been defiled? I have not gone after the Baal. See your way in the valley. Know what you have done like a swift young camel clinging to her ways. And, folks, just one more, one more point I want to start with. Verse 27, they say to the wood, you are my father, and to the stone, you, are, you bore us. Met the plump, 
for they turn to me their nape and not their face. And at the time of their misfortune, they say, Arise and save us. Now where are your gods that you have made for yourself? Let them get up if they will save you at the time of your misfortune. For as many as your cities were your gods, O Judea. And I could pretty much end there, and you know what I'm talking about, but I'll get into the specifics. Again, I want to make it clear. I don't care if you're like, you're in conservative media, like, oh my gosh, this is where it's at. Everyone's been bought off. I'm scared. Oh my gosh, I don't want to, I want to be part of the group. And I'm going to, I'm going to endorse Trump. I, I don't care. That is so small of a factor in the scheme of things. As I've said so many times, if we had a movement working every second on the down-the-ballot primaries, particularly on the governors and the state legislative sessions and Congress and the McCarthy fight and all that stuff, it wouldn't even matter. You want to support Trump, he supports DeSantis, this guy wants to support the the new Ramaswamp guy that, that came out of nowhere um, very strategically. Whatever. It, it doesn't matter if we're legitimate and honest to each other about what we believe and are consistent in that. In fact, many of us were hoping and thought that, great, this is the time that we get attention. Everyone is vying for our vote. So everyone's going to run to the right and, you know, we're in good shape. Let the best man win. But that only presupposes that we believe in something and they're going to pander to those beliefs. But what if we, or at least the people with the loudest voices perceived as representing our side in this country, don't believe in anything other than groupiness, click servitism with a CK and a QU, a click, the groupiness, and just I want my career, I don't care about outcomes. Well, then that's a different story. Then you get the primary we have now where there is no truth. Nothing matters. You could have a man that promotes Disney, dumps on the boycott of Bud Light, dumps on the heartbeat bill even in a red state, promotes Bruce Jenner, the original groomer, argues against bathroom bills. Even on the issues he's good, like we saw with Ukraine with Maria Bartiromo yesterday, all over the place, sounds retarded. Literally gets up there and says the vaccine saved millions of lives at a time when that's such a big issue. And it is all good. Doesn't draw even the gentlest and mildest rebuke or at least a reaffirmation from these people. Look, look, you know, to be clear, I don't agree with that. We need to fight it. But, you know, I still like Trump for whatever reason. I don't care. I'd be fine with that. But it's this full lockdown. Look, I, I expected, when DeSantis announced he'd run, I expected guys to sit in the background, like, be like, oh, they're, they're, they're both good. Like, like, not wanting to take a side, even though it's very clear. And obviously, the real, like, the, the more decrepit half would, would side with Trump. But what I did not expect is that it's not just the decrepit, but all of them, and to this degree, that Everything this man does, no matter how egregious on policy, demeanor, behavior, bearing false witness, associations, it is 
all good. You could duck out of the debates and it is all good. Things you wouldn't tolerate for anyone else, it is all good. And then conversely, the man that there is no one probably in a century who has done that degree in a state, and I don't care, maybe, you know, you want to say, yeah, maybe you should wait to 2028, I'm not so in, into him, I, I'd still rather Trump, I, I'm fine with that, I don't care. But what we all agreed upon until a few months ago, these, our, our, our stated beliefs, is that that was the paradigm that we need every other governor to be held up to so we actually get, get stuff done. Now he is trash. He is, may as well be Bob Dole. That, my friends, is a problem. Not just because of the lies you're telling about Trump and, and DeSantis, but what that portends going forward, even if the two of them cease to exist. So let's, let's go through some of this. Let's start with Tucker. And the reason Tucker is so important is because he's being touted as, l- l- let's face it, he is being groomed to be the heir of Trump. Now, whether that means he might day, well, one day might run for president or not, I'm not necessarily saying that that's true, but whether he does or not, that's immaterial. That he is going to be the undisputed, kind of maybe Rush Limbaugh at his heyday, but maybe even more. That he is, go- whatever he says is like the gold standard of what we should believe and care about. What he cares about is what we should care about. What he doesn't care about is out of sight, out of mind. Okay, And, and, and it's already like that. But that's, that's clearly what's happening. So... This man's behavior needs to be vetted and scrutinized if he is going to be what represents us. And the behavior that took place, you know, I I was warning you last week, I was starting to get the feeling like there's something not right with him. I, I noticed a pattern of things. And by the way, mind you, we had, there's endless texts and quotes that are now because of the Dominion lawsuits that, um, you know, Tucker saying that Trump is autistic, he's retarded, he doesn't know anything, he's a demonic force, he's a dark force. Um, everything you and I know to be true, he he knew and, and espoused privately and knows to this day. And yet, what he has orchestrated is a clear pattern of appalling behavior that taken together is designed to perfectly screw DeSantis, perfectly elevate Trump, meaning and the other candidates that are non-Trump and DeSantis, it's very strategic who he gives a hard time, who he does it in a way that will get the outcome that is the most beneficial to his career. He wants to make sure, see this is the thing, he wants to support Trump despite everything he knows because he thinks he's reading the tea leaves and in his mind, it's most likely Trump's going to win the primary. It's most likely he'll lose the general. And therefore, Tucker is slated to inherit his base. So why alienate any of his supporters until then? That, that's clearly the calculus. Again, we, you and I are never the calculus. It's always someone's career. Never, never forget that. If you earn more than a certain amount of money in this business, inevitably that becomes, whether they admit it to themselves or not, that becomes their primary focus. So that's where Tucker is coming from. 
Now, again, I don't care. Despite everything you said, you want to endorse him, support him. But it's this notion that it's all good. So this man is like, yeah, I grilled the candidates. Let's talk about Iowa. I grilled the candidates. Now, most of them, actually pretty much all except for one, which is DeSantis, he actually really didn't. And that's fine. He was very friendly. And, you know, you want to have a chilled out, sit down, let them talk. I have no problem with that, but it's funny that the grill Tucker, I hear all this thing, Tucker took it to the next level. Like, you look at the questions, there was nothing novel there. It's, it's weird. You listen to one of my interviews, it's much more hard-hitting, even with a friendly. Um, but it's, it's, it's weird. But okay, but, but it's fine. I mean, I, I don't expect that, but don't, don't lie about what you're doing. But then there's one man who didn't show up. The most important person. Meaning, if you believe the primary is basically over and he's going to win, so all the more so, he is a hundred times more relevant than anyone else. Even the biggest idol worshiper of Trump, if you call yourself America first, sovereignty, you know, new right, based in any way, you have to concede there are certain critical things that are very concerning about his behavior, his consistency, his focus, his ideology on certain issues, his ability to have personnel, the right people around him, the fact that it's basically either Laura Loomer or Lindsey Graham. There's no sane-based people around him. They're either establishment or, if you want to call them based, they're loony and belong in a mental institute or, or are morally corrupt. There are some important questions that need to be asked of him. And not just asked in an interview, but in, in a setting in an early state that's like a forum with other candidates there. Now, typically in this industry, people's support for a candidate is defined by whether they kiss their ring. Not whether it's the right thing to do, but whether they kiss their ring. But in this case, so strong is the idolatry of Trump that Trump could piss and shirk Tucker himself, who the last couple of weeks has basically endorsed him and he still doesn't show up, and Tucker has not a word to say. And then his supporters, you had this Congresswoman Luna at the Toilet Paper USA, and then Carrie Lake has been saying this all over the place. These cowardly candidates like Chris Christie, who didn't show up. Chris Christie's irrelevant. Your men didn't show up. There's no self-awareness, or perhaps there is. They're so up his ass that they think the rules don't apply to him. And they literally all got up there. All these commentators. Mr. Trump is very busy. A con- he had a conflict of schedule. Now, there's no evidence he did. That's, first of all, it's made up. But three days ago, his senior advisor, Jason Miller, said, quote, he is unlikely, unquote, to come to any of the debates. So you can't speculate made up excuses for him not showing up to the Tucker summit. Because you have to view it in the broader context of what he clearly said, that he is not coming. So at the same time, they say, oh, he had a conflict. But then they also hint, to, well, he's way ahead. This was an opportunity to you know, not overwhelm the event and allow other people. What are you talking about? Nothing says populism like I am owed the nomination. And I don't have to stand before the people side by side with other candidates and debate. That should be, I don't care where you are on the spectrum. 
That should be unacceptable. To at least gently say, hey, Trump, you would have done great. We wish he could have been there. Come on, you should come. Even gently, nothing. You know, some people are saying it was a big mistake for him not to come, and it would be a mistake not to come to the real debates. Actually, I think Jason Miller, his senior advisor, is right. If I were advising him, it's douchebaggery, but pure advice, I'd say you're right. Because he only has what to lose from it, not to gain politically. And now the rub against it is, yeah, but whatever you would gain by not having DeSantis have an opportunity to get the better of you would be washed away that you're going to be slaughtered for the cowardice of not showing up. But no, what, what, what my colleagues in this business have demonstrated is they are so bankrupt, they will all cover for him. He could not show up to a single debate and be like, that was a smart move, you know? He, he allowed the other candidates to have some time. There is nothing this man could do that will draw even mild rebuke. It's worse than it's ever been. Even the last eight years, generally, when he'd get off message, we'd have, you know, at least a certain number of people like, hey, come on, come on, Trump. You know, that's ridiculous. Now it is on complete lockdown. It's worse than ever. So that's the first thing. And by the way, it's like it's worse than Jeremiah 2. See, back then it was like you talk to a stone that doesn't answer you. Here, your idol does talk to you and says contrary to the very premise of why you freaking worship him. And yet you still worship him. What the hell? All right, you know, I promised myself... I can't make a promise because I'm on the verge of breaking it, but I won't say words that my wife wouldn't want to hear. We'll try to get through the rest without that. So that's a pretty big moment, that in itself, but I'm not done yet. You put it all together. Now, if you notice that, oh, Tucker just grilled the candidates. No, he didn't. He strategically, the only ones he had a heavy discussion with were the two most irrelevant ones, which is Mike Pence and Asa Hutchinson. Mike Pence on Ukraine was already fully out in the open. Tucker didn't expose anything more. Mike Pence, to his credit, is very open about that. There was nothing exposed. So there was nothing new. There was no new ground plowed there. And Asa Hutchinson, they finished their debate that they had two years ago over the tranny stuff. Everyone knows that. And more importantly, the two of them are irrelevant. They're not going anywhere. You start getting to Nikki, he was a little bit more friendly to. She's a, now, she's not going anywhere, but she's playing the game. Like, whereas Asa and Pence are directly against Trump, so Nikki's playing a little bit of a soft double game. Now, she's irrelevant, but the idea is to have her chip away a few points from DeSantis, but even more so is Tim Scott, who got even more softballs, and Scott made a fool out of himself. He looked like a complete clown. But Scott, again, he's not going anywhere either. But he's viewed as, if you don't know his record, like, you know, some conservatives who want to move on from Trump might, you know, again, siphon off a few more points. Nothing. And then Vivek was just like, oh my gosh, slobberfest. No questions about his past. 
his pimping masks and social distancing in the vaccines, especially given his biomedical background with his companies pushing the, such bad surveillance technology that even our government didn't accept it. He was an advisor to Mike DeWine. It's like being an advisor to Hitler during the Third Reich. That's the equivalent of being an advisor to Mike DeWine on COVID during the Fourth Reich. The worst Republican governor. No questions. And he got to do his whole like, he's kind of like a Barack Obama. This hopey change. Oh, I'm going to go into a D plus 50 district, South Chicago, the Bronx, and I'm going to convert people. That's why he, he was so vehemently against national divorce, because he's building a brand off of, I'm going to go into like the hardcore Democrat areas and debate. See, if you're trying to win and do something and actually change civilization, we're struggling to get to the 50-yard line. You could barely win a national election. The notion you're going to win at the 90, 95 is, is absurd, nor do we need to do it. It's so not cost-efficient. I'll never forget, by the way, where I live— so, I mean, I don't live in the district, but nearby one of the Baltimore area districts is you had this woman two cycles ago running, Kimberly Klaychik. And she was like a black conservative and she would like walk down the street like in high heels and say, yeah, like why are you guys voting Democrat? And they and, and it went viral and she got tons of money because that's what click servitism is. There was nothing behind it, by the way. It was a typical kind of like Trump fake fakeness. No substance, but it was like, yeah, the black conservative type of thing. And all my colleagues were in mourning when she literally, typically the Republican nominee in that district gets like, I want to say 33%. And she literally did not move it one digit, whatever it was. And I could have told them that. It's just like, it has nothing to do with, oh, you run a black female candidate, whatever. That's how they vote. And you're just not going to change that. You're just, I mean, it's a waste of time. I mean, that's why we need national divorce. People don't realize, like, yeah, I know it's not very, like, hope and changey and soaring rhetoric. Oh, no, the, we don't give up on an inch of America. Like, but that's bullcrap, and you know it. But that's but if you're trying to build a brand and become a grifter, then it's a great shtick. And all these conservative media, he is unanimously, oh, he's the best thing. Because they don't want to look like they're just promoting Trump. So the comedic relief now is praise Vivek, praise RFK in order to distract and suck out oxygen from DeSantis and help Trump. See, what's fundamentally dishonest about this whole Vivek love fest is if you take – see, we know he's a fraud. But if you believe in what he's saying face value – He's articulate, he's smart, he's specific, he's saying everything we want, he's he's very telegenic and 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 um you know on paper sounds like he actually could appeal to young people. So then why wouldn't you vote for Vivek over Trump? See, ask them that question. Whenever you find a Trumper sitting and promoting Vivek, so vote for Vivek. He's much more electable, doesn't have all the scandals, hasn't turned people off. He's, the, uh, he's not abrasive. He's just the opposite. And on paper, I actually think he would appeal to people. I think if he ever got in there, he'd be a fraud. But if you don't believe what I believe, then in, in, in their paradigm, if you care about winning an election, they are o openly saying he is more consistently conservative and based than Trump. He is more articulate. I mean, that's uh, obvious. I mean, Trump sounds like Fetterman. 
He's fresh. He's new. He's young. Why wouldn't you support Vivek? The answer is it's a fraud. It's all a setup to promote Trump. It's a complete lie. So that's why Tucker slobbered all over him. Then he gets to DeSantis. And I want to make it very clear. A couple things. Except for one thing I'm going to mention where he bore false witness and lied. I didn't mind the interview. I thought it was great. And I think, I think it could have even been more intense. And I think that's what needs to be demanded of everyone, including Mitt the Twomp. But if Trump actually came, he wouldn't have done it. To start saying, like, now, typically, an affable interview, the way you would do it, and, and Tucker's style, what he's known for, would be something like this. Generally, very friendly. Just let the guy talk. What are you about? What makes you tick? But then you have one question that's like kind of the typical flip-flop thing. Well, wait, you're a candidate. You say this. But then now you, you know, you're saying that. Which one is it? And you would have strategically picked one for each one. For example, and this would have been so on brand with Tim Scott. And, and by the way, T- Tucker has crushed him before. When he wasn't a foil for Trump, he, he crushed him on the criminal justice deform and, and Floyd. And, and, and Tim Scott has the nerve to get up there and say criminals should be locked up when his whole career has been working with Hakeem Jeffries and the most radical jailbreak organizations. On that, that would have been so on brand for for Tucker. Didn't ask him. Vivek, the question would have been, very simply, you know, you you now say all this, all the mandates were bad and this is bad, but you are all into masks. He was very obnoxious about it, by the way. Months, years after the truth was known, saying, why are conservatives opposed to masks? Wouldn't ask him about that. In fact, COVID was never brought up one time. Okay? Starts off right away and hits him with, would you sign a heartbeat bill as president? So right away, giving him, like, now, and and he answered beautifully, but I'm just saying, like, that is a tough question because we are taking on water politically. There is a question about doing it nationally, whatever, you know, if it, you know, the cost-benefit analysis. I'm not giving an opinion on it. I'm just saying, Right away, you give him a heavy question. But that, that's, that's legit. And I want to make it clear. I am not whining. I actually think DeSantis came out and had a good weekend in Iowa. But my point, my point is, I'm not about DeSantis. I think he had a good weekend, did well, and I think it served him well. Doesn't mean he's not still in a precarious situation. But he's better off than he was before. I think it really resonated in Iowa. And I think he was the star of the show, despite... The, the conservative media pimping Vivek. And everyone, everyone agrees to that. My problem is what this portends for the future. So then he goes on to Ukraine. Now, there has been this myth that has been perpetuated all along. What happens now is, and, and I want to give a little bit of an introduction to this. I started seeing these people like Laura Loomer putting out terrible things about DeSantis out of nowhere. And this Alex Bruce, I never heard of him. And I never, I ignored it because I, ne- I didn't feel it is fair to tag Trump supporters with Laura Loomer. She is unstable, needs, you know, help, you know, has, has issues. And, you know, it's fine. You, you can't have some random person on Twitter 
you know, somehow defining Trump people. And I, I feel that's very unfair. But then over time, I started noticing that a good number of the stuff she was putting out, it started filtering in to more so-called mainstream conservative voices at some level. And they start saying things that are just wrong. Like, I, I, I'll get an email. Daniel, why, why is Paul Ryan supporting um, Ron DeSantis? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? But you repeat a lie so many times, it becomes true. By the way, it's not just that Trump supported everything from Paul Ryan while DeSantis co-founded the Freedom Caucus as a reaction to Paul Ryan. I want to give you a story that I don't think I've ever said before. But it just will demonstrate how severe this bearing of false witness is and how disgusting it is. So, you know, you go back 2014, 2015, uh, my relationship with DeSantis in Congress was kind of similar to what my relationship is with someone like an Andy Biggs, a Chip Roy, a Dan Bishop, um, Thomas Massey, you know, where I'd constantly kind of try to text them and be in touch like, Hey, this is going down. You know, what are we going to do about this legislative strategy? And I worked very hard in it was the Christmas break of 2014 going to 2015 to get rid of John Boehner. In fact, during that two week where everyone takes off, I didn't stop working. I worked harder than ever. So working the phones, trying to call. So inevitably, you know, who would I call? A guy like Ron DeSantis. He was congressman at the time to uh, get rid of. You know, to, to, to join the fight. And Ron at the time, and, and no, no one's, this is not public, and I'm going to make it public. Ron at the time, and I don't remember if it was a call or a text, and he said to me, he said, Daniel, there's something you're missing. And, and he did not join the fight, and here's why. He said, John Boehner, this is already four years into him, he said, he's been so repudiated, nobody in the conference has respect for him. He's kind of a dead man walking. He says, whereas if you get rid of him, at the end of the day, we could complain about Boehner all we want, but Boehner is a mere reflection of the conference, which sucks. Like, the problem with the Republican Party is the Republican Party. And that's why he ultimately left Congress. He felt you can get nothing done there. And he wanted to be his own man as an executive in Florida. And it was the right decision, right? It was one of the best decisions ever made that he took that risk. He could have, he had a safe district. He could have stayed in there forever. But what was the purpose? He's like, you're just going to get another one. And who are you going to get? He said, I promise you, you're going to get Paul Ryan. And he said, and, and now everyone's a big hero. Oh, Paul Ryan's terrible. But back then, oh, every, all the Jim Jordans of the world, they would slobber over him. So he would be able to enact the bad stuff with much more political gravitas and political capital. And he was like, I'm telling you. But, you know, I was so into the importance of getting rid of Boehner. I still, like, I didn't take it to heart. Well, you know, we, we actually failed and we didn't get rid of Boehner. But a couple months later, it reached a boiling point, and he was pushed out without even a vote. And guess what happened? Paul Ryan became speaker. And he was right. And I just bring that up to, to say, because all these people are like, you know, m maybe because there's one or two donors that also donated to Paul Ryan, but that's inevitable. So somehow, you know, oh, like, this guy opposed him before it was cool when years later Trump till the very last day of Paul Ryan's speakership 
affirmed everything he did. And there's a whole montage of all the praise. He, he actually said, Paul Ryan is like wine. It grows on you. Um, but, but again, facts don't matter. That's my problem. It's a fact-free zone. It doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't matter. So, anyway, they've been perpetuating this lie that DeSantis is kind of wishy-washy on Ukraine. He's flip-flopped. He's gone back. He's really a neocon. He needs to clarify his position. And then all the, like, you know, the um, sheep in, in Animal Farm. So the chant went down to all these voices. DeSantis needs a clarified position. DeSantis needs... And I, I asked someone, I was like, what that... I was like, when did he ever go back? I never, I never heard that, Right. So what happened was they created this false premise that he was a, really a neocon and then then put out like the the base statement saying it's just a territorial dispute that you know over eth- ethnically russian areas that we really can't hold and shouldn't get involved with it's not in our national interest but then he like he he went back on it. And in reality anyone who knows him he was one of the earlier voices among the more like Reagan conservatives, you know, as opposed to like a Ron Paul or or really like a Democrat that became a Republican, more of a traditional conservative that started moving away from this business. And he was like, we cannot referee these Sunni Shia things. And as he said many times, and he said at Tucker's forum, he says as a soldier, he was literally the only one who of the candidates. He was in Anbar province, this whole, you know, refereeing Sunni Shias in the worst time. He was there like, it was really bad. He was there during the worst times. Um, so he's like, I, I learned that like this whole thing is a boondoggle. And it's the same thing here that you have. We're trying to have the Ukrainians hold Crimea and Donetsk. That's why often he'll spell out, if you notice, he'll spell out those two specifically because they're Russian ethnic areas. And you're just perpetuating the same. His, his, situ- his, his um, position has been abundantly clear. Like, well, he doesn't talk about it enough. Well, Every town hall, he's asked about it, and he said he, there's a bunch of clips, right? But, okay, but they perpetuated this lie, so they all start repeating it. Now, what happened? What happened was he, uh, he was asked – the neocons went nuts when he said that. So the neocons said he's pro-Putin. So DeSantis just said in the Piers Morgan interview, he's like, no, I'm not Putin. Uh, pro Putin, I think he's a war criminal. But again, that's it. Nonetheless, it doesn't negate. Yeah, I think he's a bit. Now, honestly, the more I think about Ukraine, I actually think he's he's almost justified in what he did. I actually disagree with that statement. But be it as it may, that does not negate the fact that, yeah, he's a bad dude, but it's not in our interest. Tucker goes up to DeSantis and says, hey, you know, so on the one hand, you said that's not in our interest, but then on the other hand, you said Putin's a war criminal and it really is in our national interest. He added on a second clause. Meaning there's one thing that you kind of like use a different word to paraphrase someone, but here you can't mistake in it. And, and Tucker was always very good about that. He added on a statement that did not exist. And I'm telling you, coupled with all these other observations, that is coming from and headed to a very dark place. And look, DeSantis very gently said, well, the second half I never said. And he gave a very coherent statement 
on what sort of statecraft he would use to pressure a peace. Trump, of course, the next day with Maria Bartiromo says this retarded thing that I'm going to threaten to arm Zelensky more and how that's going to force Putin. So he sounds like Lindsey Graham, but that's not even the point. The point is he said, Zelensky is an honorable man who has said a lot of good things about me. Tucker himself has recognized that flattery is one of his biggest weaknesses. That is a huge problem, both national security for like, you know, everyone around the world, but domestically with the Democrats on the left, they know how to flatter him. And that's how they got him to pass the First Step Act, which Tucker claims to have opposed. This is what I can't handle. And of course, nothing. No questions. Trump needs to clarify his position. Nothing. And then he was asked about what you would do about the weaponization of the FBI. Like, he's literally indicted. This is his issue. And he starts talking about the real estate, the building of the FBI. Like, yeah, some people wanted to move it out. Some people... That's what I'm saying. Even now, he sounds retarded. And none of my colleagues will demand any clarification. And again, if you think he's a fait accompli, all the more so, he is the most relevant candidate that needs to be held to the highest standard. That's what bothers me. Again, I, I, don't, I don't mind a rigorous interview of DeSantis. I think he could have made it more rigorous, frankly, and brought out more nuance. I would have liked him to press him on, you know, the, the PrEP Act and things like that. But don't lie. There are certain rules we don't believe in. Bearing false witness. And that really was dirty. Because he snuck it in and that made all the difference. And he knows it. Click servitism. You're either popular or you're not. What matters now is whether you are in with the right click, not whether you fight for the right things. So you could be Bruce Jenner, but if you saddle up to Trump, you're great. You could have done the greatest things for us, but if you don't, you're, 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 you're dirt. And you need to be dehumanized. I'm telling you, at this pace, in another couple weeks, the mainstream legacy fake conservative talkers at the top 50 of the iTunes charts will begin pushing this Laura Loomer, Casey DeSantis faked her cancer. I'm just waiting for that. I'm waiting for that. But this is the thing. It's like now suddenly Kim Reynolds is dirt. But Christy Nome, who's backing Trump, could screw us and that's fine. And no one will use their clout to stand up for the South Dakota landowners. This is what bothers me. It's disgusting. And um, it, it's like the other thing is Trump said at his uh, toilet paper USA speech, I'm going to defund all schools that have vaccine mandates. That issues are a that issues already over with. But B, he was president and he, you know, now you didn't have the vaccines yet when he was president, but you had parallel, which is even stronger. You had the shutdown and he actually promised in the summer of 2020 to not fund the schools that were shutting down. And we begged him. I wrote endless columns. Not only did he 
not cut off funding in the regular appropriations for the September CR in 2020, but he then signed $82 billion in additional funding for K-12 and universities, plus another $5 billion discretionary fund for the governors, rewarding them for the lockdown. And a lot of the money was to fund Zoom school. It's not just that, oh, he was president and he had the opportunity to do it and didn't do it. He did the opposite. And this is not some retroactive oppo research that, you know, Daniel uh, is on Google trying to find it. I lived it. I wrote about it. I spoke about it. What am I supposed to do? Erase from my mind my legislative knowledge? There's something about fighting almost every major primary, congressional, Senate, governor, that matter, every budget bill, every important piece of legislation, every important idea over the last 15 years. I have a long memory. And this is not even long ago. Facts simply don't matter. If you're in with the cool kids, Andrew Tate, a disgusting pornographer, is now, that, that was Tucker's first interview. Because you, you find some quasi-cultural dirtbag that says one thing critiquing the elites that we like, and it's like, boom, nothing matters. Because we ourselves have no beliefs, so we have to glum on to every piece of trash that we find. That's the state of the conservative movement. It's like, and again, it's like facts don't matter with Trump. I had this conversation with a friend of mine. Medical freedom movement, by the way. One of the big guys. And he's all into RFK. But then, funny, he admits to me later, I'm concerned about his wife. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. If he actually were in a position of power, not just the head of an NGO, he'd be a lot more reluctant. And indeed, he actually offered it on his own and said, DeSantis in a conversation told me he'd, he'd take a sledgehammer to the NIH. He said, I would do more of a scalpel. He's not who you think he is. I'm not saying he's not an ally. You could be an ally with people on an issue. I'm proud to do it, and I have. And, and Children's Health Defense Fund has promoted my work. It's fine. But don't suddenly... See, when you have a movement, you can work with an adjacent movement. But we don't have a core. So we just sell ourselves out to the next person. But anyway, then this guy's like, yeah, I'm not so into DeSantis. I don't know. And then I was like, what? Well, what about Trump? And then I finally did. And, you know, I, I say all these things. And it's indefensible. He can't defend his position. Then he finally says, yeah, but you know what, Daniel? Who cares anyway? It's more important that we fix things down the ballot, like getting rid of McCarthy and Rona McDaniel. And I was like, are you trolling me? Do you know that Trump, at the moment that we he, they were teetering, we almost got rid of both of them. He, he was the decisive factor in keeping McCarthy and McDaniel. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, well Daniel... You know, you know politics. I'm not into politics. But I was like, what do you mean you're not into politics? You know what the F you want to know. If you're not into politics, who who not into politics knows who Rona McDaniel is? No, you wouldn't know who she is and that she's a problem to conservatives. You wouldn't know that. The answer is, you're a reflection of what conservative media tells you to know. And that's how conservative media, my friends, is subverting and rotting the core of our people worse than the left. I respect the left. They fight for what they believe in. We openly subvert. We, we claim to know God 
and then piss on him. It's disgusting. And always a day late, dollar short. They're always glumming on to the issues that we here were fighting from day one, whether it's COVID, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's the border, the fentanyl. I did a whole series in 2017, 2018 on fentanyl was not an opioid crisis, like prescription. It was, it was a border jailbreak-driven crisis. While, by the way, the very commentators that are now crying about fentanyl are the ones that supported criminal justice reform, including, by the way, the one who ran the Toilet Paper USA um, meeting there promoted criminal justice reform. And now suddenly it was, oh, that, that, that's the, the establishment. DeSantis is establishment. DeSantis is fighting the Koch brothers, the only one of all 50 governors on crime. And you bought into it. And you bought... And people that were neocons until three minutes ago were pimping Ukraine until three minutes ago, by the way. Now it's like, oh, DeSantis is not strong enough on it. What the hell? And now Megyn Kelly is somehow a rehabilitated voice. She is the reason. She was the Tucker primetime spot for a decade. She is the reason last decade that we were so decrepit. And now she's like, Fox News sucks. I love all these people that made their career on Fox, all these guests, and now that that grift is over and there's a new, like, orbit of MAGA grift, so they've moved on to that, but it's the same movement. And that's my bottom line. There's nothing new about this. How do you think, despite on paper most conservatives being one way, year after year we elevated the worst rhinos to the highest honor of being the leader of the party and the presidential nominee. Bush Sr., Bush Jr., Dole, McCain, Romney. This is the same thing. There's nothing different. It's just the, people finally got old with the old demeanor, so they came in with a new thing that, you know, there's this whole thing that conservatives have been passive and stupid. We need to be aggressive. And again, they take a valid point, but then they miss the point. It's like the idiot who you know, looks at someone pointing to the moon, they focus on the finger rather than the moon. So it's like, to them, the point is not, so you need to aggressively defend your prerogatives and get outcomes. It's like, be nasty. Just, just like, you're fat, you're ugly. Like, just say, so th they now worship like shock jock things. So it, you're defined by... Oh, if you say like, yeah, I grabbed the women and I like the whole Andrew Tate thing, man, you know, like, cause it's all about cutting through taboos. So you're not allowed to say things, but there's a difference between you're not allowed to say the vaccine causes death and it will say the vaccine's a bioweapon versus like, okay, I'm going to break the decorum of like, say, just needlessly be nasty to people. Like, okay, what is, A, what does that get us? Especially if you're horrible on policy and outcomes and B, like, is that a virtue? Is like, is that something that we should now be happy with? It's funny, you have all these unmarried philandering, and those are the ones who aren't homosexual, people throughout the Trump orbit. And when I say that, I don't mean average people that just want to vote for the guy. I'm talking about these grifters. They're calling all of our people homosexuals who are married with kids, and it's the funniest thing. But, you know, that's the psychology behind that is obvious. But this is my bottom line. This is my bottom line.
This is not about DeSantis. It's not even about Trump. It's about if we don't affirmatively have beliefs row in a boat towards a lighthouse of what we want, we're just going to get fake reactionary populism that comes in a full circle like it always does in history. You read Animal Farm and you land in the same place. You are just as decrepit and disgusting as the people you claim to be fighting. And you gain nothing except that you yourself are now okay with that behavior because you put your groupie stamp on it. You make open borders great again. You make homosexuality great again. You even make tranny grooming Bruce Gender great again. It's all good. As long as you stand for the right cult, it is all good. So long as it's Meta Trump who said it. Or the next iteration. Because again, it wasn't Meta Trump. It was the same thing. We have to beat the Democrats, so we need Bob Dole. See, there's a crisis of intellect There's a crisis of values, and there's a crisis of energy and initiative. There's laziness among the conservative chattering class. What they, it's no different. Back in the day, it was like, oh my gosh, we've got to beat Bill Clinton. Let's just get the most well-known name that has the money, Bob Dole. No one wants to try to work for something. Same thing in 2000. Oh my gosh, eight years of Clinton. Let's just get a Bush. Let's just get a Bush. It was the same thing again and again. Mitt Romney is the next in line. Trump is no, he's the next in line. He's Oded. He's the one with the name. You ready? We don't want any mess. Any, let's just nominate him. They act like it's some sort of new based reawakening. It's bullcrap. It's the same old. And it's going to continue happening that we elevate the loudest voice. So we'll be the next person, Carrie Lake. Oh, yeah, yeah, we need to move away from the culture war. But the media is terrible, and we're election was stolen. And then when it comes to policy, it's like, wait, what? It's all good. It is all good. You know, I always love this Vivek thing. I'm not a politician. I hate that line. Dude, if you're running, you're a politician. Stop the lie. The worst are the ones that never were in office and don't have a clue, like the fake populace. The minute they're in there, Kevin McCarthy puts his arm around them and is like, oh, we have the greatest spending cuts ever. And they're like, oh, really? I'm going to vote for it. Yes, you're going to vote for it. Whereas the best guys are kind of like the lawyer state legislatures that were awesome in the legislature. They come to Congress. They get the game. But you could officially call them, oh, you're a career politician. But that's bull. That, 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 that's a superficial, stupid point. When you elevate superficiality over substance, this is what you get, my friends. And that's just the way it is. Let me know if you agree, disagree. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Always appreciate it. We're going to get back to the issues tomorrow because I'm pretty much burnt out from this. So I'm just going to focus on what I could focus on and we'll, we'll let the chips fall where they are. Till then, God bless you all. 